0: told you last week uh, a few truths, let me get all these electronic things running here. Yeah, I told you last few a few truths about what's what great about driving church and uh, gave you a couple examples last week. You know, one of the great things we talked about was, you know what, you can't blame me if it's too hot, too cold, or that's on you. But if it's too loud or too soft, that's on you. You control your radio volume. But I got to thinking about this too, you can't complain if somebody stole your seat. I guess you can But that's an inner car problem That's a family problem You take care of that at the house If somebody took your seat in there And if your seat's too hot Or too hard Or too soft That is also on you So I'm starting to like this Drive in church idea It's not only Usually everything's The preacher's fault but it's not all the preacher's fault anymore, and I kind of like that. Anyway, take your Bibles this morning and, and uh, turn to 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. Just want to be an encouragement and a challenge to you today. I, I think the Lord gave me something that will do that, and I'll try to, as I told you last week, not quite be quite as long. Anyway, that's a that's a promise made. I don't know if it's a promise kept. We'll see at the end of the service about that. But 1 John chapter number 2, and as I was thinking about, you know, the Bible's full of truth. How many of you believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, and it is full—I want to tell you, amen, amen, and amen—it is full of truths, and it's full of truths that we can take to the bank. And I'm thankful for all that truths concerning how we got here in the first place, uh, how God created everything. And let me put in a shameless plug, real quick—if you're not paying attention online, get online if you can. Have any means to do that? Last uh, whatever week it was, Tuesday I guess it was. I started a brand new series on creation, just one verse by verse, going through Genesis probably one through eleven, something like that. And, and we'll see you until I get bored of it, anyway. Uh, but uh, listen, it's going to be a verse by verse. Saying, here's what I want you to know: you can trust your Bible you can trust your Bible because it tells us how we got here and, and it goes against what you're being taught all over the world and so here's what I'm going to do on Tuesday night and Sunday night I'm just going to piggyback the series and we're going to just go right through it uh, on both nights and so you can stream, catch up with it later if you can't be there live and uh, half the time I'm actually trying to record uh, messages a, a little bit earlier in the day and so forth and so I'll get it posted and we'll get it up there we'll see how it works out But but but, but be with us uh, for that study. I think it'll help your faith. It'll help you learn to trust your Bible and so forth. So the Bible contains all these truths. The Word of God does. How we got here in the first place. And it, it told us about, listen, without Genesis, how, how, how would we know we ever need a Savior? Because we would never know we had a sin problem. It told us how God uh, created the car, if you would, and He created us perfect and, and we put her in the ditch and how sin came about. and It gave us truths concerning where all the languages come from and where the people groups come from. And we'll study some of that on uh, on Tuesday and Sunday as we go through it. it to, told us uh, the truth about, thank God, how to have our sins forgiven and how to be saved. How many of you are thankful for that? How many of you are thankful for Jesus Christ, uh, uh, the, the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him? Thank God that He loved us so much that He left His place to come to our place, to take our place so that we could go to His place. It tells us truth about science, by the way. Don't ever think you can't stand with science and stand with the Bible. Uh, Listen, whatever science and and the Bible don't interject right now or don't intertwine, you just give scientists enough time to go figure out the Bible was right. They always do. And and it tells us about archaeology even, about history, about about even, of course, many things on theology. But out of all the truths you can take to the bank, you know, most of the Bible was written about one of two colors. The first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah coming. And then the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one we're looking for. And that's the part that has not been fulfilled. It tells us about that Messiah who was going to come, who was going to die in our place and be buried and rise again. By the way, He did come. His name is Jesus. But it also tells us that He's coming again. How many of you are thankful Jesus is coming back? And and I'm certainly thankful for that tonight. Amen? Looking forward to that. In fact, the theologians tell us that one out of every five verses in, in the New Testament talks about the second coming of Christ. In fact, the early believers, you know the way they used to greet one another? They would greet one another with maranatha. That's what they'd say. It they wouldn't say, hello, Frank, or how's the weather? <laughs> they, they'd just say, Maranatha. Maranatha. And it was interesting when they'd say that. You know what that meant? That meant, the Lord is coming. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Listen, we, we ought to change our everyday greeting to that. How about that? Hey, Bob, how's the weather? Hey, Bob, how you been feeling? I'm not picking on Bob back there, but <laughs> he is here today, so I might as well pick on him a little bit. But instead it, it of saying, hi, it was Maranatha, the Lord's coming. How about we just start going at it every once in a while so everybody will ask you what in the world does that mean? come, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. and They would read that. Because they were expecting Jesus to come at any time, at any place. And imagine how we could change the Word of God or the world for the, through the Word of God by telling them that Jesus is coming again. Let me tell you, one of the truths you can take to the bank is the fact that He's coming. Paul told us He's coming. He said he was looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He told us in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16, for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so shall we ever be with the Lord and he goes and finishes this way wherefore comfort one another with these words Paul told us that Jesus was coming can I tell you Jesus the angels themselves testified that Jesus was coming by uh, there in the Acts chapter 1 right when Jesus is the, the great commission, then he ascended into heaven. In Acts 1, he, he, those two angels were there, and he said in verse 11, You men, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall, so shall come in like manner as you have seen him go. By the way, Jesus promised it too my grandma's favorite verse is john 14 and verse 1 through 3 let your heart uh, let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me jesus said in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you and i go to prepare a place for you but then he said this listen and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you unto myself that where i am there you may be also by the way John even got a futuristic view of it, I believe. Over in Revelation 4.1, after this I I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven and the first uh, voice which, which I heard was that of a trumpet talking with me which said, Come up hither. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say there's about 318 verses in the New Testament that promise the truth that Jesus is coming again. As I would say... On, uh, how many of you watch the Duck Dynasty? Uh, I know we got some rednecks. Look at that back row. They're on banks like this. They're, they think they're on a dirt track back there or something. Right, so we got some rednecks. Listen, I know you watch. You know what Si would say? He would say, it's a fact, Jack. <laughs> Jesus is coming again. It's just a fact. Now, how many of you believe that this morning? How about a few hallelujahs if you believe it this morning? Make sure you turn them off after you turn them on. Uh, we don't want to have to jump everybody in. We ought to be like the Lord said, like John said in the end of Revelation, even so, come Lord Jesus. Now I said all that to say this. I'm actually not preaching on Jesus coming back. I'm preaching on today with the Lord's help this idea. What are we to do until He comes back? I'm not here to defend the fact that He's coming back. Scripture takes care of that. I'm here to challenge you and me. What are we to do? How are we to live? What are us as believers to do until Jesus comes back? A lot of people speak a lot about Bible prophecy and studying it and propagating it. And and by the way, we should. It's in the Bible. Therefore, we should study it. I'm not minimizing that. But you know what? I believe God's more interested instead of us arguing about the different, what we think this might happen, that might happen. I think He's more interested in us living for Him today Being encouraged. By the fact that he is coming back, being challenged by the fact that he is coming back, motivated by it to carry out the tasks that he's given us to do on this earth. So, so again, I'm, I'm presupposing that, that he is coming back. We all believe that this morning. So, what are we to do? How are we to live until Jesus comes back? What to do until Jesus comes back? First John, have you found your way there? First John, chapter number two, and. Our two key verses here that we'll pick up in is verse number 28. I'm sorry, verse, yeah, 28 and verse 29. Read that with me, and then we'll go back and get a little bit of it. The Bible says there, 1 John 2 and verse 28, and now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Father, for the next little bit, would You help us, Lord, not only to rightly divide the word of truth, but Lord, to apply it to our lives so that we can leave this place, Lord, and quit fussing and fighting about everything else and just start focusing on living for Jesus. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a debatable thing that you're coming back just like you said you were. Really, our challenge is to live for you now. Help me, Lord, for the next few minutes to give a challenge that I believe will encourage and, and, and Lord, strengthen and also at the same time, Lord, convict and challenge each of us here. Lord, for the day that you're going to come back. What are we to do until the Lord comes back? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in context here, John's writing, and and he's writing about the second half, at least, of of 1 John chapter 2, about really warning about the last days. In fact, if you flip back in, in, in 1 John 2, just back to verse 18 with me, he says this. He says, Little children, it is the last time, and you have heard that the Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists. He said, all right, there are already some here, whereby we know that it is the last time. Imagine that, John writing all these years ago, and he was thinking we're already living the last time. How much closer are we to the last times that John was saying we're already there and he was telling about it. He's noticing them that that there's going to be some folks that there's already some on the scene and by the way, they're on the scene today that'll have the spirit of the Antichrist and and the Antichrist will be here. They'll they'll operate in his spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. And verse 19, he tells us a little bit about the characteristics of that crowd. He said "They they went out from us. In other words, they used to profess that they loved Jesus Christ. In other words, they used to come to church, and maybe they even used to serve in church. And, and but but they're not; they were not of us. He said, "These weren't folks that lost their salvation. These were folks who were never saved in the first place. They they put on; they had a profession, maybe, uh, they, but they weren't really a true believer." And and, and that, that's what he's talking about. He said, "Because if they if they had been of us, he said, for if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us." but they went out that they may, might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Can I tell you, you want to know if somebody's a true believer or not? We don't have to question how they got saved or was there tears or how repentant they were. Here's how you'll find out. Give it a little time. Just give it a little time. And, and, and everybody here I know knows somebody that, that at some point in life came eye on fire for God and make a profession maybe, maybe they got saved or not that's not our department I understand that but listen uh, we, we proclaim we let God do the same He does give the increase but but, but then just completely disappear doesn't do anything for God many times I'm not saying every time but many times you want to know why they were never of us in the first place because if they were the Bible says they would still be here It would, and He said give it a little time but they went out that it may be made manifest they they were not of us in other words just give a little time we'll figure out how true it was but look at verse 20 he said but ye ye us hey us us that know we're saved and are are plugged into lord you have an unction from the holy one and you know all things i have not written unto you because you know not the truth but because you know it john said what's he trying to say there He says, I'm not not writing you to discuss the facts or the merit that Jesus is coming again. He already made that assumption a few verses ago. He said, He is coming. That's a a fact, Jack, as, as I would say. He said, here's what I'm writing to you, but I'm writing to you now to tell you how to live until He comes back. And then we get to our verses. And He tells us, down verse 28, And now, little children, abide in Him. When He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming." If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. So what to do until Jesus comes back? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, I thought about this. You know what? We're to love Him. Until Jesus comes back, we are to love Him. Uh, What a wonderful thing to think about. We're to love Him. Look at verse 28. And now little children abide in Him that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His upcoming. The word abide means to continue in. It means to remain. It means literally to stay put. And and why are we to abide in Him? Why? So that when He appears, we we won't be ashamed That when He comes. We'll we'll be doing what He called us to do. There'll be no no shame in our life. And that word "appears" an interesting word. It comes from the word perusa in the Greek. And and here's what it means. It it means this. It, It means I'll sum a little differently. It means to make the invisible visible. Isn't that pretty cool? Think about that. When He appears, hey, Jesus, who I can't see, I will see one day. The invisible will become visible. The veiled will become unveiled. Praise God when He returns, when He appears, and He's coming. And John's not even arguing that fact. He says He is coming. That's That's a fact, Jack. Here's what He's trying to teach us to say. When He makes that sudden appearance, will you be ashamed? Will I be ashamed? Well, we have been living our life for Him, or we would have been like this crowd that never was of Him in the first place, that went out. So until Jesus comes, can I tell you the first thing we need to do? Is we need to love Him. We need to love Him. Let me give you two truths about loving the Lord Jesus Christ. The first one I want you to see, y'all remember this, and uh, if you truly love the Lord Jesus, you, here's what you will do: you will abide in. Christ. You will abide in Christ. Remain stay put in Christ. You want to know why I believe most disciples were Baptists? No, I'm joking right there. <laughs> why I believe the disciples were Baptists. Here's why. Because you remember what they asked Jesus? They said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Y'all remember that? Now you could say they really just wanted to know how the how all the commandments 300 plus of them by the way not just the 10 but we'll focus on the 10 this morning that's what I assume they were talking about there they asked him out of those 10 what were the greatest and and maybe they just wanted to know what was the greatest but I think they probably wanted to know what's the least we can do to get by and make you still happy <laughs> that sounds like a lot of matters to know right <laughs> sounds like me sometimes if I get real honest sounds like many Christians I know sometimes hey, Lord what's the least I can do hey, what's the greatest commandment do you remember his answer Do you remember what he said? Lord didn't answer, uh, I expect they were expecting to come back and say well, well, maybe you should have no other gods before me. and Something out of the, the Ten Commandments. Maybe you shall make no idols. Or maybe they were expecting uh, you shouldn't take the Lord God your name in vain and go right through the Ten Commandments or keep the Sabbath day holy or, or all the commandments we think about. Honor your mother and your father and shall not murder or commit adultery. And I'm wondering which ones they were expecting as his answer. Shall not steal, shall not bear witness, shall not covenant. But do you remember Jesus? Jesus' answer was, His answer was simply this. He said, He answered them saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. See, because if you love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, guess what? That list of the Ten Commandments will take care of itself. If you love your neighbors, yourself, listen. Everything else will take care of itself. So until the Lord comes back, here's what we're to do. We are to love Christ. And we're to love Him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. Let me ask you this question. How much loving on Jesus did you do this week? How much time did you spend just loving on Him? Praising Him? Glorifying Him? saying, God, thank You. I promise you this, about 4 o'clock this morning when that bear hit it the other way and stepped towards me, I was loving on Jesus a little bit. And listen, how much loving did you do with Jesus? The number one thing He said for us to do is to love Him. What are we to do till Jesus come back? We're to love Christ. Can I tell you what else we're to do when it comes to the idea of loving? We're to love the church. You know, you can't separate Christ from the church. The two are inseparable. Uh, and listen, in verse 19, back in our text, we we read a moment about some folks that, that were maybe part of the church that, that went out from them. He says they went out from us because they really didn't belong to us because if they really belonged to us, if they were really one of us, then they would have continued with us, he said. And John's talking about, again, not people that lost their salvation. That's not what he's talking about. He's about people that never got saved in the first place. Hey, they knew the lingo, but they didn't know the Lord. They maybe had a a profession, but they didn't have possession. And and he said, listen, if they were really of us, they would have abided. They would have continued, and they would have they would have be... kept on abiding in Jesus and abiding in the church, because you can't love Jesus and not love the church, because the church is his bride. The church is his bride, and you can't love one without the other. Listen, he came and died for the church. So I would just be real careful. Let me just help you a little bit this morning. I'd be real careful about how I talk about God and the church. I know Jesus is more merciful than I am, but if some of y'all talk about my pride today, I hear some people talk about the church. We'd have problems. And I don't want any problems with Jesus. I know that, so I'm gonna be careful how I talk about His bride. That's for sure. And again, you better thank God that Jesus is God and I'm not. Amen. Because I'm not as forgiving as He is. But but if you truly love Jesus, here's what I'm telling you: you will love Christ and you will love the church. So what are we to do until Jesus returns? We're to love Him, love Christ. We're to love the church. Four things every Christian owes a church. Someone wrote was simply this. Their prayer. Amen. Their person. Your attendance. Show up, right? Participation. Your service. And their pocketbook. The four things that they said to everybody Christian owned this church. Let me ask you this. Are you loving Jesus? Are you loving Jesus this morning? Are you loving the person of Christ? And are you loving his church this morning? What are we to do about till Jesus comes back? We're to love him. Secondly, what are we to do till Jesus comes back? I believe it's simply this: we're to look for him. Were to look for Him. Look for Him means to, to to wait with great anticipation. That's what that word look means. With great anticipation we watch. Jesus taught us. He said, hey, watch for you know not the day or the hour when the Son of Man cometh. He says, we don't know. So we're to be looking. And He gave examples in the Bible in a parable about, about servants and a master. How the master had gone away. And, and the servants didn't know when that master would return. And when he came back unexpectedly, you know, he came back found the, the way. Wicked servants, many of them, had not been faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, who will be that faithful servant that the Lord will come or find watching when he comes? We need to look. We need to be alert, waiting for the Lord Jesus to come. Hey, I'm not looking for signs. I know there's a, my Bible says the wicked, perverse generation looking for a sign. I'm looking for the Savior. I'm looking for the return of Jesus Christ any moment. Hey, He may come back before we get done with this. That's what Paul said in Titus 2.13. He said, looking, hey, looking for that blessed hope. Hey, that blessed hope means that confident, earnest expectation. That's what the word hope in the New Testament means. It's a done deal. I'm, I'm I'm not debating whether it's going to happen. Paul said, I'm just looking for it. I'm looking for the blessed hope, the confident expectation of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, let me tell you this. Some people have say Jesus is the God. to read the Bible. Amen. That just told him he was God. And he is the Savior. By the way, he's both of those. Hey, quit looking at the world. Are you with me this morning? Quit looking at the news. Hey, quit looking at each other. And let's just look for the Lord. <laughs> he may come anytime. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? See, you right now, just split those clouds right open right there. And we just got out here. That'd be all right. But let me ask you. Let me ask you this: If you came, would you be ashamed? Have you been loving him? All that convicted me. Huh? Have I been loving? Oh my Jesus, the way I should be loving him. Have I been looking for him? What to do till Jesus comes by? Love him. Look for him. We should be like John at the end when he said, "Even so, come, Lord." Jesus. Let me give you a third one. I'm going to you I'm to. This is pretty important too. We're not just to love Him. We're not just to look for Him. But I believe we're to live for Him. Read with me back in our text, verse 29. The Bible says this, if you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. We live for Him. How do we live for Christ? We live for Him. Listen to me real carefully. This is important theology. We live for Him by allowing Him to live through us. That's a a major difference in maybe what you've been taught. We've been taught for years. We live for Christ by by keeping our list of rules. We live for Christ by by having really high standards. And by the way, I'm not against standards at all. And and you got some. I got everybody here has some standards. There's some some things you wouldn't show up dressed in, right? So so don't throw off on people with standards. Maybe theirs is different than yours. You shouldn't throw off either way, because if yours is different. But here's what I'm trying to say. Those lists, those rules, those standards in themselves have nothing to do with you being right. Here's what it has to do with you being righteous. Allowing Jesus to rule and reign and control your life. It means we allow His righteousness. By the way, remember the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Then why in the world do we think we can be righteous in ourselves? My Bible said there's there's none righteous, no, not one. I can't be righteous in myself. Here's the only way I can be righteous is by allowing God to live through me, allowing His righteousness to live in my life and through my life. So when I say living for Jesus, I'm not talking about all kinds of works and steps and ladders and programs and do this and do that, do that, then maybe if I dress this way, smell that way, say this. I'm talking about simply this, getting hold of Him and let Him rule and reign in your life. It means allow his righteousness to come through us. Letting him take control. You say, how do I do that, preacher? Here's how. It's pretty simple. It's hard hard to do all the time. I'm guilty myself. But it's pretty simple at the end of the day. It's not about, again, listen, rules. It's about, simply this. Yielding to the spirit instead of to the flesh. Isn't that a pretty simple philosophy? It's hard to live. I admit that readily. That is hard to live, but that's the truth. Listen to what Paul said in Romans six sixteen. How are we to? Here's what I'm talking about here. Until Jesus comes back, we're to live for Jesus. How do we live for Jesus? By allowing Him to live in us and through us. How do we do that? We do it by yielding to the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Here's how Paul put it in Romans six sixteen. He said, "No, you're not." That to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, His servants you are to whom you obey. Whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Here's what he's saying. Here's, here's how you're going to live for Christ. It's going to be every moment when, when that flesh... How many of you struggle with that? Anybody struggle with that? When that flesh says, I want this. i got to have that. I, I desire that. And I know it probably wouldn't please God. And, and I know I shouldn't do this. But by golly, I want it. And I want it Now. Right? And know what your flesh do. Maybe your flesh doesn't say it that way. That's the way mine says. It. And I, I learned to say, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God living in me, I learned to say absolutely not. Because I got another one living inside of me. His name is Jesus Christ, through the form of the Holy Spirit of God that, that, that dwelt me the day I got saved, that has sealed me until the day of redemption. And he's over here saying no. And here I am, that man in the middle, saying, oh man, my flesh wants this. And the Spirit says, uh uh-uh, that wouldn't please me. My flesh really wants it. uh uh-uh, that wouldn't please me. How many of you had that struggle? Almost a on the basis? I certainly do. So how do I live for God? How do I live in righteousness for God? It isn't anything I do. It's not me turning over a new leaf. It's not me trying to pull myself up on my bootstraps. It's not me trying to... Trying to figure out, well, if I keep this rule and this rule and this rule, then I'll be righteous and I'll be whole there. No, here's how I do it. It's saying no to that dog on flesh and yes to the Spirit of God. It that something? It's hard to do, but it's that something? And when I say yes to the Spirit of God and no to the flesh, guess what? Then the righteousness of Christ lives in me and truly. And then and only then, am I living for Jesus. Let me tell you, I'm going to just be real honest, give you a quick example. I'm going to try not to tell too many stories because I'm trying to get you out of here <laughs> instead of keeping you so long like you did last week. Say this, I'm figuring. I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Is that noticed. i will tell you, some of the meanest... Let me just say it this way. Some of the meanest... i got a Bible for this. Some of the meanest, most ungodly people I know because their judgmental spirit, their critical attitudes, are the people that keep the most list. Can I get Y'all ever met somebody like that? I mean, they look down their nose at everything you do, and listen, they criticize everything that gets done anywhere in the world. Listen, I got preacher friends like that. I still call them a friend because I'm praying for them. <laughs> I, I'm telling you what, I, I had some the other week. We had two horns blown. did you get to follow up on them? How do you know they're saved? I said, I didn't say they were saved. I said, they made professions. They want to criticize everything. Y'all know the crowd. You know what I'm talking about. How dare you, lady, ever wear a pair of jeans? Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you be right about God, you did that. God said, none of that has nothing to do with being righteous in Jesus. Here's what to do with to being righteous in Jesus. When you learn and when I learn to say no to that stupid flesh, the works of the flesh versus the works of the Spirit. Back, Look with me, Galatians chapter 5. Y'all can flip there because we're not going back. Galatians chapter 5. You say you preach on Galatians 5 a lot. Because this is the key. I want you to get this. We've been beat down in our, in our, in our independent Baptist churches for so long with lists and rules and all that. And listen, listen, if you just do this, everything else takes care of itself. By the way, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God and I'm about to be yielding to the Spirit and not to my flesh, I won't wear the wrong thing. You know what i mean? Hey, if I'm yielding to the Spirit of God and, and instead of the works of flesh, I won't listen to the wrong thing. See, we preach against all those fruits instead of against the root problem. And that is, am I abiding in Christ? am my body in my flesh. Galatians chapter 5. Listen to the battle. Here it is. Galatians 5 verse 16. Paul writes says He said this. I say then walk in the spirit and ye shall not. Y'all see that promise? Ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he gives us long list and I won't go through them because I told you I get you out of here and you know I can't go through them without defining the them. This long list of, of words of the, the results of the work of the flesh. By the way, anchors is in there. Hello? <laughs> How many go around angry at everything? That's the flesh. You're not yielding to the right thing. You're not getting amen. <laughs> Adultery's in there. Fornication's in there. You go through the list. Drunkenness is in there. What do you yield to? The Spirit? Or the flesh? I don't to preach against a list of things to do's and don'ts because listen, if I yield to the Spirit, I will not, I will not, shall not, That's the promise from the Word of God, if I walk in the Spirit. He said, Well, if I walk, he said, because see, these two are contrary one to another, the Bible tells us. It tells us in verse 17: look for me. For the flesh lust against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So living for Jesus really means this: allowing Jesus to live in us and through us. And how do we do that? By allowing Him to reign in our life by saying yes to the Spirit and no to the flesh. And if I can learn to do that, I'll never need a rule in my life. Can you know I get an See, that's why the greatest law of all, that's why Jesus' commanded the greatest commandment of all is to simply get this right. Just so love the Lord thy God with all that soul, with all that strength, with all that mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And if I do that, that means my vertical relationship with God will be right. And if I love my neighbor as myself, guess what? My horizontal relationships will be right. And you don't want to know what that makes? A perfect cross. And that's where he wants us to live. He said, How do I live for Jesus? Here's how you do it you No know to the flesh, yes to the spirit. What's the result? How will I know? Verse 22. You can do your own self test, it's <laughs> the greatest thing. Every single time these characteristics are part of my everyday life, I have my answer. I am not living for Jesus. And I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, you got a sorry preacher because there's a lot of days that I can't fulfill this list. How about you? How do I know if I'm living for Jesus and allowing Him to live in me? How do I know if I'm yielding to the Spirit and not to the flesh? Here's the answer. But the fruit, that word means the result of, uh, will be this. The result of yielding to the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. You know, I can't define those. I'll get you out of here. Just ask yourself. Do your self-test. What am I to do till Jesus comes back? We're to love Him. We're to look for Him. And we're to live for Him. Or any, maybe, is a better way to say that. How do I know if I'm doing it? Right there is your, right your own self-recipe. Are those the predominant characteristics in your life? The promises they will be when you're walking in the Spirit. You'll get to the Spirit and say no to the flesh. That list above it, guess what? That's the list that you'll be doing when you're not walking in the Spirit. Pretty simple. You can do your own self-diagnosis. You don't have to have any preacher ever do it. All you got to do is say, well, as soon as I get out of this list, as soon as I start hating something, hello, that's absolute love, I'm not walking in the Spirit. Hey, as soon as I start getting discouraged and down and all that, listen, I'm not saying, you know, say, don't get me wrong, but I'm not walking in the Spirit because joy is the result of that. As soon as I'm fearful instead of full of peace, guess what? It's because I've gotten away from walking in the Spirit. I'm allowing the fears of the flesh to take hold of me. As soon as, listen, I'm, uh, I'm not long-suffering anymore, and I'm impatient, in other words, I'm glad y'all don't have a I knew it was one thing in our baptism, it, Right? Because we're good at that when we pull up behind somebody in the light and we hit .3 when we hit that horn. Amen, right? How's our long suffering? How's our patience? Listen, that's a good test. When I get behind somebody, come on, man. Come on, man. Guess what? I'm going to the flesh right now, not to the Spirit. You can do these self-tests every day, all day, in every moment of your life. Hey, you know what you do when that moment comes? You say, oh, man, Lord, forgive me. Help me have that patience. And he will. Thank God for that. Hey, how about gentleness, goodness, and faith? Listen, when when the opposites of those are in your life, guess what? You can do your own self-diagnosis is what I'm trying to say. And you don't even require a list other than a list right here from the Word of God. If that list of criteria, that that list, that fruit, that result of walking in the spirit is not present in your life on a consistent basis. I didn't say uh, on an absolute always basis. We still got a flesh and we we got to fight against, but I'm telling you, on a consistent basis, can I tell you you're not living for Jesus or in Jesus? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be ashamed at his coming. That's what John's talking about here. Maybe it's time for you today to draw a line in the sand. Maybe there's some area. Listen, I don't know what it is, and I don't need to preach against. List. You already know the Holy Spirit will do a better job than that than I ever will, anyway. Something that the Holy Spirit of God's convicted your heart on that. You're, you've been struggling with maybe an area that you didn't used to struggle with, but now you are. And you've let some things slack. You've started to drift, as I told him a couple weeks ago, on our, whenever it was on our, on the live stream. we started to drift, and, and you know I'm allowing things in my life I didn't used to allow, and, and, and you know and. I, the Holy Spirit of God is convicting me about it, but I cannot want it, so If you allow that kind of stuff to happen, why don't you draw a line of saying right now? I said, Holy Spirit, you put me under some conviction in some area in my life right now. And that means that I'm not yielding to you. Because if I was yielding to you, I wouldn't be under conviction. I would be living in love, joy, and peace. But because I am, that means there's something. There's something in my life you want me to straighten out. And with your help, I'm going to say no to the flesh yes, sir. because I want to live in your righteousness. It's hard to do in a setting like this. But let me just ask you, this: if you just be honest with me, this morning, and say there's some area in my life. And maybe it's somebody else not behind the driver's seat. I understand that. Somebody in your car, just be honest. Maybe you can hop multiple times if you got somebody in your car. it says there's some area in my life. And Holy Spirit, let's preach, you didn't have to mention it. You didn't have to bring it up, but the Holy Spirit showed me I'm yielding to the, the, the flesh and to the spirit. And it's time for me to draw a line the sand and say no more. If you if that's you this morning, would you just say father good? Let's go ahead and just do an amen on the morning. I tell you, if I had a horn to blow, I'd be blowing mine too. I don't want to be ashamed that it's coming to you. That's what John's writing about. It's assume the fact that Jesus is coming back. He said, I'm not even diagnosed that with you. He's coming back. He said, here's what you do until he does. Let's love him. Let's love him. Let's love him. And let's live for him. Allowing Him to live in us and through us. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. Lord, you are coming back. Praise God for that. Lord, we as Christians, we're ready. We're promised we're out of here. We thank you for that. But Lord, would we be ashamed? It's a good question to ask this morning, it's a question that was in our text. When the Lord returns, would we be found loving? Would we be found looking for Him? Would we be found living for Him and through Him? Mm-hmm. Lord, I want to be found that way. Would you help us today? So take those areas that you've revealed in our lives, Lord, that are fleshly, 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 works of the flesh. To say no to me. And to say yes to the leading of your spirit. That's how, Lord, that's how we live in your righteousness. Thank you for the free power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Stephen and Maddie come to sing a, a song here in a second. Let me just ask you this. Listen, you can't live for Him. You can't live in Him unless He's first in you. And He's never going to be in you until you realize you need Him. See, the Bible tells us that all is sin to come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us there's, there's none that doeth good. No, not one. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. There's a payment due for our sin nature and the sins we commit even after being born of that sin nature. And that payment is death and eternal separation from a Holy God. Jesus said, there's only one way to bridge that gap. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. And he said, if you would repent, change your mind. That's what that word means and believe, put your full weight trust. and trust in the gospel message, the fact that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again, then He would not only give to you the free gift of eternal life, He would not only save your soul, but listen, He would start the process of in you and through you. We would receive His righteousness by He takes our sins. Isn't that a wonderful thing to think about that moment of salvation? See, there needs to be a time and a place where you change your mind. There needs to be a time and a place where you confess with your mouth that Jesus is While you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that gospel message. And then on the 40th of the Word of God, that moment in time when you do it, my Bible says, Thou shalt be saved." Have you ever had a time and place where you've done it? You have, praise God. Glory to God. Like that. Start living for Him start loving him. start looking for. Him. if you have it you don't want this thing to happen you don't want him to come back because that will seal your faith salvation hey, salvation's about today you get saved today behold now is the accepted time today is the day of salvation Hey, post not thyself on tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth if you're here you're not sure that heaven's your home. You've never had a time and a place where you called upon His name. Right now, why don't you repent change your mind? Believe put your full weight and trust. And the fact that Jesus died for you was very you. Why don't you confess that with your mouth? Why you believe it in your heart? You can do that by Right there in your car. You don't have to repeat a prayer after me. You can just call upon His name. I'll help you. But listen, the words of the prayer, just repeating my prayer isn't going to save you. you got to believe it in your own heart. you got to truly. But if you do, confess it right now. You can pray something like this. Father God, I confess, I agree with You that I'm a sinner. I believe. For Jesus died on the cross for my son. I believe he was buried, and I believe he rose again on the third day. I turn to you now, Lord Jesus, and by faith I receive the free gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Christ's name I pray. If you prayed that or some other thing from your heart this morning where you acknowledged you were a sinner and that Jesus is a Savior and you put your trust in Him. Listen, if somebody in your heart we'd like to rejoice with you. We don't know we're asking to do. We're not trying to embarrass you or anything like that. But we'd like to rejoice with you. Anybody like that today? Just somebody in your heart maybe you trust the Lord. On your on one time. We're not going to call you out. Michael. I just want to rejoice with you. Anybody call upon His name today? Get saved. How many by testimony then would say, Preacher, I am saved and I know what testimony baby. So here's my challenge to Stephen and Maddie. Live for him. Look for him. Let's love him. Listen to the words of this song that they're about to sing. Love him, my Jesus.
1: A well-worn road A sinner so far from home No No second second chance in sight I heard you call my name I felt you lift my shame And I made a vow that day That I'd spend the rest of my life loving my jesus showing my scars telling my story of how mercy can reach you where you are and i pray the whole world hears the cry of my heart is to see all the ones i love Loving my Jesus Sin tries to make you high Whispers that same old lie Keep all your pain inside Cause no one will understand The last thing this lost world needs is someone I'm trying to be the truth that has set me free is that I'm just a broken man loving my Jesus showing my scars telling my story of hell mercy Can reach you where you are And I pray the whole world hears The cry in my heart Is to see all the ones I love Loving my Jesus When all is said and done My last song's been sung I stand face to face with the one Who gave all for me May all I have to show Be all that mattered most Making your great name known let this be my only legacy loving my jesus showing my scars telling my story of how mercy can lead you where you are
0: and i pray the whole world hears
1: the cry of my heart See all the ones I love all the ones I love Loving
0: my Jesus Put them on the spot this morning. I said, Can y'all come sing that song? Because it'll go with the message. Y'all ought to be thankful because I was about to sing it myself at the end. Somebody say amen. Wasn't that beautiful? Wasn't that beautiful? Amen. Uh, let me give you an announcement. We'll get out of here. Uh, quick announcement for you. Excited about next week. Uh, we're praying for great weather. Praying for just when the Lord give us a great day. Next week, uh, Larry and Patricia and uh, uh, Bob and uh, I i guess wayne too i don't know how many mr Joey, i don't know who all is playing and singing but we're gonna have a little mini gospel concert how about that at 10 we'll have a good time there and then then my friend evangelist harold i always get his name wrong harold vaughn's gonna be with us <laughs> and uh and i'm uh, looking forward to that so we're gonna have special singing special preaching next week i was talking to harold and and uh, telling him that he called he called us checking in he's a good friend and and uh, we talked about the Lord quite a bit, talked about things coming up, and, and uh, he's asking how church was going. I told him what we were doing, and he said he heard of folks doing that, but they weren't doing it at his church, and asked me how it was going. I said, oh, we're just having a blast, man, and it's a good time, and, and you're making the best out of the situation that we're in. And, and uh, I said, you how about you? Because I really worried about them, and, and you think about missionaries and, and evangelists, and in particular evangelists living by faith. Every Sunday that somebody will call and they'll have a place to go preach. Well, guess what? Have you thought about evangelists right now? <laughs> Where are they to go preach? <laughs> That's pretty tough. Now, he didn't give me some sob story because he's not that kind of guy, but he said, well, the well, Lord's, Lord's faithful. We're making it. And, that, and it's kind of the way he said he had to cancel the women's prayer advance and the student prayer advance, uh, uh, some of the ways that fund their ministry and, uh, in mighty ways. And so was a very tough time on him. And I said, I said, well, I tell you what, there's something about being in the open air. You just, you just enjoy preaching out there. Maybe it's just a handheld mic, and I don't know what it is. He said, that's it that does sound like fun. I said, why? Well, right, how about you go and do it then? <laughs> and so uh, he agreed he'd come next Sunday and uh, looking forward to that so we'll just make a special day out of it. we got some special singing coming anyway and we'll have Brother Harold Baum here if you haven't heard him you'll be blessed uh, I promise you and, and he'll have some fun he'll have a good time up here and, and, uh, and we'll, we'll help him he's one of our missionaries we support anyway as a missionary evangelist and, uh, and just and come on in tell us about what the Lord's doing in their life and preach to us from the word of God so next Sunday morning special morning looking forward to that so as we leave today, let me just encourage you. What are we to do until the Lord comes back? Okay, Let's love Him. Let's, let's love Him. Let's look for Him. And let's live for Him. Father, thank You for our time together. Thank You, Lord, for how good You are to us. Thank You for the faithfulness of Lord, the Lord to folks here at Victory Way Baptist Church. All those that help on a get every week, Lord. Every week I show up, this field's been mowed. Yesterday, and I know you didn't want me to call him out, but Lord JD was under mowing the rain to, to get the, the the front of the church looking good. And Lord, those that help set up and tear down, Lord, there's so many things going on behind the scenes, and uh, Lord, our ladies that are working in the office, keeping things funded and and paid, and Lord, we just want to thank you for the faithful giving as well of your people here. And Lord, where we're just so thankful that we have a God who always supplies all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Bless these dear people this week, I pray. I pray that you put a hedge of protection around all of our all of our folks, Lord. Keep them free from sickness, Lord. Keep this virus away. Lord, I pray soon, very soon, Lord, we'd be able to open up, Lord, not only our economy, but Lord, even get the back to assembling together in our church. And we look forward to those days. Until then, thank you for what you provided here, Lord, and the opportunity we have to proclaim the gospel. Again, in unique ways in these days. May it, I pray that the Word of God goes out, works in every heart and life. And bless us now this week, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.